what's the beverage of choice tonight? I actually have a beer and a scotch, so... I have some white wine. (laughs) (laughs) That's very classy of you. I appreciate that word choice, Mm -hmm. because there were a lot of others you could have gone with. Hello, it is Tuesday, August 2nd, 2016, and it is episode 20 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. My name is Craig Stone. With me is Kyle Askin. Howdy. So episode 20 has a somewhat special meaning for us um, in that not because it's something of a round number, but more because I idiotically said several episodes ago that I thought Glenn Straub would have Revel open by... August, not by August, but by episode 20, <laughs> and we are at that point, and it is not open. It is indeed not open, and not only that, uh, but it doesn't really look like it's going to be open anytime soon. So so I lose a bet that we didn't have any money on, thankfully. Uh, our jokes on Twitter about <laughs> me delaying this episode, trying to hope that... Which, which you have been doing, I do have to say. I'm sorry for everyone that we are a bit later than usual. I know usually we try to get these things up on Sunday, and it's now Tuesday that we're recording, so it's probably going to be, what, Wednesday or Thursday that it's up? Yeah, I think we'll get it up on Wednesday, but... Uh, we can uh, crank out some editing, or not editing, as the case may be. Yeah, I'm hoping for not editing. That's what we're shooting for yeah. here, just one take, crystal clear, whatever, clean copy. Uh, I mean, it's the podcast way. It is. So... I don't know, should we launch into the Rebel thing since we've yeah, already... Yeah, <laughs> let's talk about that first. I mean, I feel like we've gone too deep to stop now. Uh, so, thankfully, I didn't have any money on this bet because I would be out whatever that money would be, um, but... I'll, ma- I'll make you buy me a beer at the Mountain Bar. Sounds good. Two, three bucks out of my pocket. Yep. Uh, so, the Rebel is still not open, as we've mentioned, and the latest is that it will probably not be open until late September at the earliest, uh, unless Glenn Straub wins some kind of appeal. Uh, so what the the latest news is basically says that they need to go through the CRDA. Uh, they applied for a land use permit, which is a quicker process. They would hope that they would just get that. The CRDA came back and said that they had to apply for a site plan approval, which is a much lengthier process. Uh, basically, they filed that on Tuesday, July 6th. That application will be presented at a public hearing on August 18th, so and that's before it can even go in front of the CRDA, and then the CRDA uh, would look at that on at their full board meeting on September 20th. So if that's the process they have to go through, it's going to be another month and a half at this point. Polo North is appealing that decision that they can't just go through the standard land use permit. Um, option. I say standard, but I don't know what the standards are here, if there are really standards. Um, and so Straub has basically just said, oh, this is government, government, government. That's his quote. Uh, and I think he even said that Revel would be open when government stops being government or something like that. So clearly he's not happy. Obviously, you know, you can make the argument that they dragged their heels on a lot of stuff permit-wise uh, when Revel is just sitting there for however long that he owned it, but I don't know. It seems like we're looking at September 20th unless something big changes here. So is, is, what, what do you think? Do you, uh, do 
you think it'll be shortly after September 20th or? I mean, what we've said before, and I think still holds true is why, like, why would you open at that point? I mean, if you're going to, if you're pushed past Labor Day anyway, which September 20th is two weeks after Labor Day, why wouldn't you just wait until, you know, March or something and do a soft opening then and then really open in the summer? Does- yeah, I, I, I agree. I, if, if I were him and this is what it looked like, I would be trying to open in like March or April probably. But I mean, we also, we don't really know sort of what he has already um, on the books as yeah. far as ongoing expenses that he has to deal with right. in the interim. Like who knows for like, the ropes course is he leasing that and has to pay. I mean, I have no idea. I'm assuming he just bought it. Cause I can't imagine that <laughs> leasing it would be more cost effective, but you know, as far as like you mentioned last episode employees, you know, if he's got some contract like he says he has a subcontract, is that in effect now and he's already paying or what's the deal? So I, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea, but uh, like I said last time, I think I, I kind of doubt it. I, I personally don't, if I were him, I wouldn't open until until March or April, especially because this is just to open the hotel, right? And like God only knows what's happening with the casino part of it. So uh, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems like this news has made it significantly more likely that the answer to the question is sometime in 2017. It's not a you know August to se- to December uh, sort of answer. Unless he's just really hard-headed about it and thinks, I'm going to open because I said I was going to open in 2016. And, you know, September, October is closer to June 2016 than March 2017 is, <laughs> which, you know, these guys, Blatstein and Straub, certainly, I don't know, seem to have ways that maybe don't make that much sense to us, but... Who knows? I mean, it seems to me like it would make much, much more sense to wait. Yeah. So I, I don't. I have to say that your official bit or whatever on the poll that our friend created like a month ago of by the end of August it does not look. Oh good. yeah. I, even that, I was like, <laughs> he's gonna do it. I'm, I'm, I'm just lost all optimism at this point. I'm, I'm done making bets. There's no double or nothing here. I won't go to my Martingale system and say I'm gonna. I've lost, so I'm gonna put twice as much. Now I've actually bet. heard it, it's impossible to lose money if you if you play the Martin Gale strategy. As long as there are no limits, it is impossible to lose. Uh, yeah, I mean, think about it, Craig. It makes perfect sense. It's true. Uh, so the next thing, other sort of disappointing news, is that the Taj Mahal is still dealing with a strike. The a, the uh, local union there, um, their service employees are still on strike now over a month into it because they started on July 1st. And the latest news on that is that they are pushing the state government for unemployment benefits. So they've gone and sort of petitioned the state Senate and assembly to push a bill that says striking workers can get unemployment benefits. Um, The Senate has passed this bill already. That passed yesterday. Uh, No word on when that'll go to the assembly, but that's the latest. And to me, it seems like it could really drag on the strike because all of a sudden, you know, yeah, it's not going to get them what they were getting paid or probably anywhere close, but it it gives them enough sort of sustenance to keep going for much longer than maybe uh, probably Carl Icahn was hoping because people who aren't paid really well probably don't have a bunch of money stocked up and, and maybe can't hold out for that long. 
if they get a little bit of, of cash inflow coming to them, maybe they can hold out for much longer, and it certainly well, gives them a bigger bargaining chip. So they, they have been getting paid. Um, I think the way that, that it works is that the union sort of pays striking workers from some fund that the union runs. I'm not sure if that was running low or what the situation with that was, but they it, they weren't making nothing. Do we know that, though? Yeah, we know. It. And as part of that, they had to go picket for four hours a day oh, or whatever. Okay. And yeah, 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 it was it was in some some articles. So the, the, the workers were making something, but presumably this makes it easier on. Uh, well, probably on the union, honestly. Right. So I mean, certainly a big part of the bargaining power of a union is if they've got a bunch of money in reserves. Um, so like with so, baseball. <laughs> yeah. So what um what do you think this is doing to the Taj? I mean from from you know we've had a couple people in the Facebook group who've stayed there and by all accounts it seems like it's okay there. It's not like perfect like they don't do housekeeping between uh like while you're there and apparently it's been a little bit uh like slower to get drink service and stuff cuz at least at the beginning it it was dealers doing it. Wow. <laughs> I'd almost like to go see it just to see how that's working. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, we heard uh, a report on our Facebook group, and basically they said they had a good time at the Taj, but, you know, it's, it, you know, a lot of restaurants are closed, which really hurts, obviously. Um, Eric on our Facebook group, I think it was Eric, made the point that, you know, the Taj is not a resort. It is not someplace where like Borgata where you go and you see a show and you drink and you eat and you stay there the entire time and never leave the property. It is focused on gambling. It is a big casino that happens to have a couple of restaurants and a hotel. Um, so in that aspect, it maybe doesn't hurt them as much as like it would hurt Borgata or Tropicana or someplace that's really trying to do all the other things on top of the gambling. Um, and you know, that's not to say, you know, Taj doesn't have any shows or anything. I mean, they've got, They've certainly got a theater, they've got restaurants, they've got a buffet, they've got scores, if that's your thing. Um, <laughs> Pate, woo pasties. Yeah, but, uh, so I thought that was an interesting point, and, and I do think that's sort of how they've marketed. I, I don't think that they've really marketed themselves. I mean, I certainly, when we started going, I remember them sort of, like, that was the poker casino. Like, they, it was a big poker room, it was really something they played up probably more than other places. I don't know if that's just because of their presence in rounders in that sort of seminal scene with Matt Damon and Johnny Chan, but you know, that's sort of what they were. It was a gambling place, big poker room, lots of tables. And I didn't never heard anything about like restaurants at Taj or shows at Taj or anything like that. So I guess it affects them less in that way. Um, but it's, I mean, it's not good. And one thing, that I should add is we haven't looked at the data month to month or talked about it on the show. It would be really interesting that the data will probably come out about a week from now for July and the workers were on strike for all of July. So we will see like, did their gambling revenue really suffer because of these strike, the, the workers on strike? Uh, yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll be able to see soon enough, but, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't really know. All I have to say to that is I don't remember John. I'm sorry, John. I don't remember. I think that's actually the quote from Rounders. Uh, I've only seen it once. Yeah. I should. Uh, oh, come on, it. man! It's on Netflix. Uh, it's so good, so good. You need to watch it right before we go to Atlantic City, whenever that's going to be. Oh, we can we can talk about that later. Uh, yeah. So, 
that's pretty much wraps it up for the Taj. Hopefully, I mean, I haven't heard anything about any kind of negotiations, so who knows, but it'll be interesting to look at that data. Maybe it has not hurt them as much as you would assume, but who knows. And I was there, so, and I didn't see them or hear them or anything. I mean, I never made it down to that side of the boardwalk, but... Oh, I was going to say, did you did you go to the Taj on your thing? No, we did not. I was gonna, would, would you and Andrea go to the Taj if it involved being yelled at as you walked in, which is what it involves now, from what I understand? Uh, I'd probably feel a little weird about it, but yeah. I think it's, intri- curiosity would get the best of me, and I'd still go. I think if it was me, I'd try to like sneak in a side entrance or something where there were not pickets. Go, but, go uh, through the Hard Rock Cafe? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm just here for the rock shop. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, probably, maybe better news, I don't know. MGM Resorts International, which we have talked about uh, in some detail a few episodes ago, now officially owns the Borgata. There was a press release um, with a byline for Jim Murren. I'm going to assume that he did not write that himself, but his name is listed on the thing, you know, so... Talks a little bit about, you know, the standard bullshit. They're so excited to have it as part of their property. It's the jewel of East Coast Gaming, whatever. They're also opening stuff in Maryland. This is going to be great for them. The thing that it said that I think our listeners will care the most about is that he flat out stated that M-Life Rewards will be coming to Borgata early next year. So the quote is early next year. I don't know if that means January 1st. I don't know if that means, you know, who knows, first quarter could be anything, but M-Life is coming. I don't know if there will be just a hard cutoff and your Borgata card is done and then it's M-Life or if there's going to be some short overlap, which I expect there probably will be. Like your your Borgata card will sort of still work and your rewards will sort of still work and then you can also have an M-Life card. I don't, I don't know. Um, but that will be coming. So M-Life means that your Borgata comps, your the stuff you earn, points you earn, tier credits you earn at Borgata will be good in Vegas, will be good at MGM National Harbor in Maryland and wherever there are MGM resorts, um, you know, including Mississippi and God knows where else. So I don't know. Uh, I don't think I don't know if there's too much else to say about that, really, other than that news. Now that you've had some time to digest it, to digest MGM as the main owner of Borgata, are you excited about it, indifferent, worried? I feel the same way that I did before. And basically that's... I am cautiously optimistic that hopefully not too much changes there, but, you know, slightly worried with all the the profit growth plan stuff that MGM's been doing. So I think we're going to see a lot more about it sort of closer to 2017 when they start actually transitioning it to M-Life and and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think my fear in reading the press release, and I don't know if I really had any reason for this other than paranoia and and my general pessimistic attitude that we've discussed, uh, is that... MGM has been so aggressive with their profit growth plan in Vegas and seems so indifferent to the optics of charging for parking, basically screwing all their valets over, um, making smaller pours in drinks and all that stuff and, and adding vouchers at the comp bars instead of just leaving it up to the bartender's discretion that 
I'm worried that they're just going to come in and say, we're going to implement all these in the first six months. That's probably not true, and that's probably just my own fear, but I am worried about that. I definitely was thinking when I was walking around Atlantic City last weekend that it's weird how I used to have this sort of distaste for Caesars Entertainment. It's like, oh, you know, they don't keep up their properties. They're kind of cheap. They bought up all this cheap property, and and now, you know, they're sort of low roller central with Harrah's and Wild Wild West and Bally's in AC. And I mean, not Harrah's in AC being cheap, but Harrah's in Vegas and Rio and all this stuff. And they just are sort of the bargain brand who doesn't keep up their properties that well. A, they've done a better job of, of updating their properties recently that even their sort of ch- cheaper, crappier properties are not as bad, at least in Vegas. But also MGM has been so crappy that I feel better about Caesars without Caesars really having done that much to earn it. <laughs> so there's something weird about me feeling like warm and fuzzy about Caesars and total rewards when it, it's only comparative. Like it's only in relation to MGM being shitty and it doesn't have anything to do with really what Caesars or total rewards is doing for me. Um, so that's kind of weird. And I hope that that is not a reflection of what's about to happen at Borgata. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Like, like I said, I think I think we'll see. Um, I think it would be insanity for them to come in there, and when it's just obviously, you know, it's not just the 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 best and most profitable casino in Atlantic City. It's like by far, it's you know steps above the the next best. And for them to come in and change a whole bunch of stuff, like they're just asking to to not make as much money as they could make by not touching anything. But we'll see. Uh, who knows? Yeah, and not only that, I think it's important also to point out that they have, they're the only casino, I think, in Atlantic City that has, like, transcended seasonality at this point. I mean, it, their dip in gaming revenue in the winter is now, you know, it's maybe $10 million. It sounds crazy. I mean, it's it's a significant percentage, but when you're talking about 50 versus $60 million and other casinos are, like, you know, 10 versus 20 or something or 20 versus right. 30. Like, they are raking in money year-round. They are a true resort where people go to Borgata and feel like that is where they're going. It's not Atlantic City. It's not the beach. Like, they go to to Borgata to go to Borgata. Um, So doing anything to lose that is is not going to be good. I mean, how much of that... I mean, it's probably... I would think some of that's partially because it is a marina property. So you would think, or at least I would think... uh, even without much knowledge coming in that, that the beach properties would sort of by definition be a bit more seasonal than the marina properties. Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, the marina, uh, it, I mean, we've talked about this. It doesn't like, feel like, like we've talked about it. It's yeah. Yeah. The marina is kind of disconnected from the rest of Atlantic city in the way that the boardwalk properties are not. Yeah. I mean, in a weird way, it's almost like a sort of Foxwoods Mohegan sun dynamic. Like they're just sort of, it's a couple of casinos that are there next to each other. And, you can almost ignore the rest of what's on the boardwalk if you're. I mean, we. I think we've even talked about like a marina trip versus a boardwalk trip. Um, yeah. I mean, we typically don't just stay in one, but if we're staying in one, we're not spending too much time at the other. Yep. So uh, you just went to Atlantic City. I did. I was there for one night, which was not enough time. So give us the rundown. What, what happened? Sure. Uh, so we stayed at Tropicana, and it was a pretty good time. I have to say, Tropicana. 
when we went, you and I, we sort of went out of our way to spend some time there in whatever that was, February, I think. Is this one we went with? Oh. No, I think it was just us two. And we we talked talked all about how we we're going to go to Trump and spend some time there. And we went oh there. oh yeah, yeah yeah, but not but not when we stayed there when we just went. Yeah yeah, there. we did not stay there. I got okay, I got you, I got you. Uh, okay, keep going. And we kind of left not feeling like it was that great, and like I kind of felt like the casino wasn't that great. And I I had a feeling that if you're staying there, you get more of a feel for the other things that make Tropicana really nice rather than just going and just being in the casino, which in a weird way. Like, even though the main casino floor is updated, like, certainly the flat areas and everything are kind of the crappiest parts of the trot. <laughs> so staying there, for one thing, we stayed in a new Havana room, um, which was, the renovation is great. Like, the the rooms are really, like, well-designed. They look really good. Um, just everything about it looks very sort of upscale and nice. We were on the what was the 51st floor, but was really the lowest floor in that, that tower. <laughs> it's, yep. it's still, you know, it's still high. It's still, I don't know. It's probably still like would be the 12th floor or something of, of any other casino. But at, since it's the lowest floor, I think, and just looking at, at pictures on Tropicana's uh, reservation site, I think every floor above that has floor to ceiling windows. The 51st floor, the windows start five feet off the ground. So if you are under like five foot four, you cannot see shit out of the windows in that hotel. So I walked in and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But then I walked up to the window and I was like, this view is amazing. I can see all the other hotels. I can see a ton of the beach um, from here. And it was a really nice view. It would have been way better if it was a floor to ceiling window. And then my wife, who's like right at five four was like, I can't see anything. <laughs> and so she had to walk over and like sort of grip the ledge, the the windowsill, and bring herself up on her toes and, and look. And then she's like, oh, yeah, it is a really new, nice view. But she was pretty annoyed by that. Uh, I, I think if we were – if the check-in process had been smoother, I would have walked down and said, yeah, we need to be off this floor. Like, this is too shitty. But, you know, by the time we were checked in and everything, it was pretty late and we were going to a show. And so that is where my other real complaint about the Tropicana comes in, which is that we got there pretty early. We got there right around noon, which I figured, you know, check-ins at four, they're just going to tell us there are no rooms. But I waited in the check-in line. I got to the front, and they were giving people, like, the little key envelopes. And I was like, oh, sweet, we're going to be able to check in. So I said, okay, you know, room for stone, whatever. She does goes through the whole standard credit card ID stuff, and then she gives me an empty, whatever you call it, the little envelope where the cards go in with a thing on it that just says, come back at 3 p.m. <laughs> so I'm thinking, so she's like, you're checked in, it's fine, you just, you go to this other line that's for key pickup. So I'm thinking, this is really smart. Like, now you don't have to wait in the whole check-in line again, you just walk up and you grab a key. So it'll be great. So we went and spent maybe three and a half hours on the beach. Well, we got lunch and then went and spent three and a half hours on the beach. Uh, we got lunch at... Uh, Tony Luke's over in the marketplace or whatever, and not nearly as good as the original, way too much cheese whiz. Uh, so if you like Tony Luke's in South Philly, definitely don't. Do not go to the one in the trop. It's just not as good. Uh, so then we, and we had dropped off our bags at the, the bell desk. 
went out to the beach, sat around for, you know, like three, three and a half hours. Tropicana has a deal where if you're staying there, you can get a discounted umbrella. They were long since out of those, so I just went and bought an umbrella from one of the crappy, like, t-shirt shops, which was only maybe $3 more expensive than renting the umbrella would have been. <laughs> um, so that's something to keep in mind, like, just, just buy the umbrella, even if it's for a single use, <laughs> and you can throw it out later. Uh, but we, we stayed at the beach. We came back in to check in around 4.15 or 4.30. The line at the key card area was insanely long. Like, the key pickup, it was way, way longer than the check-in line. So, and not only that, the line at the bell desk was equally was equally as long. So, luckily, we had two of us. So Andrea could go to the bell desk and wait in line to get the bags, and I could go to the key pickup and wait in line to get the keys. But like, if you were one person, you would have had to like you would have gotten there early and gone through the line to check in, wandered around for three hours, come back, waited in line for even more time than the first time to get your key. And they went through the same exact process. Like they needed your ID and your credit card and everything. <laughs> like it was exactly like a check-in process, but there was only, you know, a couple people doing it instead of the entire desk. And then you would have to go to the bell desk and pick up your bags. And my wife and I finished at the exact same time. So it would have been literally double the time if you were there alone. So, so that process was really kind of annoying and they need to figure out a better way to do it. Like it would have been way, way better if when, when we first walked in, if there was a just, if there was just a sign up or even somebody just sort of waving you off being like, there are no rooms, come back at three o'clock, we'll have rooms there. And I think they're just trying to keep all the lines relatively short. Like I, like I think the idea is good, but the execution's just really bad. So that was really annoying. It sort of took a decent amount of, our time that we thought we had to sort of get cleaned up and relax before the show that we were going to. Uh, so we kind of like rushed upstairs and got cleaned up. Like I said, the room was fine. The shower maybe didn't have the sort of vigor that you would hope after spending a day at the beach. <laughs> like it's one of those sort of rain shower heads. Um, and when I'm all sandy and stuff, I want like a fire hose and it was not that. So you know, I can't review a room without bitching about the showers, so mark that down. So we got cleaned up. We went to Wet Willies, which I don't know if you know what Wet Willies is, but it is a daiquiri stand uh, in the same vein as Fat Tuesdays, which is everywhere in Vegas. Um, they also have them in New Orleans. We got a daiquiri that was a mix of, like, banana and pina colada, which was delicious, but for 12 bucks was kind of disappointingly small and not as boozy as we would have liked. Um, so I don't know if I would go back to Wet Willies. But then we went to the show. So the show was Magic Remixed featuring Kevin and Caruso. I mentioned this on the Facebook group. So if you're in the group, you've already heard the story before. Uh, so I had booked my room, which was only a discounted rate, not comped. It was like 150 bucks for a Sunday night. And then I got an email, I had assumed unrelated to the room, saying, hey, if you want free tickets to this Kevin and Caruso show, you can get up to two free tickets on select dates. So I sort of debated about it in my mind, because I was like, is this actually going to be any good? Is this just some sort of like dollar store version of Vegas, of a Vegas show, <laughs> you know, like a real magic act in Vegas? Or is it, am I going to just go and wish I was somewhere else or wish I was 
eating dinner on the casino floor, just at a bar doing whatever else with my time. But I figured I sort of did a little bit of research and, you know, some of the reviews said it was pretty good. There wasn't that many, there weren't that many reviews out there. One of them said, oh, the tricks are really obvious. It's not good magic, whatever, which, you know, I don't really care about magic in the first place. But the thing that sort of sold me on it was talking, it was something talking about the detail of the costumes and the choreography and how it was like sort of a much bigger like Vegas sort of spectacular kind of show and not just like a magic show. Like it wasn't like I'm up here, here I'm about to do a trick and here's a trick. And also that the other thing I read that told me on it was that it was extremely fast paced and that it would be over in 70 minutes. So I figured, you know, I can deal with an hour and 10 minutes. If it sucks, at least you're out of there soon. And worst case, you know, they're free tickets. If we leave 15 minutes in, then we're done. So we went to that show and it is unbelievably fast paced. Like there is not a moment to breathe at any point in the show. It is just like, here's a trick. Here are a bunch of girls in crazy costumes dancing. Oh, costume change. Like the sheer number of costume changes in that show is incredible. I, my wife and I were both in awe of just the detail in the costumes. And apparently uh, Caruso, who's one of the two guys, you know, Kevin and Caruso, obviously, hand makes all the costumes, which I just can't believe. I mean, it really made me sort of wonder how high the budget for the show must be because they've got eight showgirls all doing choreographed stuff, insane costumes that must have taken an incredible number of hours to put together. And it really was like a spectacle way beyond just a magic show. And, and there was no real setup for the tricks. Like there was a little bit of sort of just showing you, you know, what, what the sort of gag was, but there was no like, 15 minute build up to some gigantic trick and so some of the tricks sort of ended and then you were like wait whoa what what is even going on like how did that person appear there or whatever and there was no setup so you didn't know what to expect especially with like the big finale trip trick where you're just kind of like oh my goodness that was insane like how how did this even happen i don't understand but since there's no build up you're kind of like shocked by it which was a little weird in a way but also made me leave thinking like I really want to go see it again like now that I know what to expect I want to go back (laughs) so I feel like that's a really good sign for the show I got in for free it was 30 bucks for adults 15 bucks for kids there were a crap ton of children there and they all were absolutely loving it so if you have kids I would say go to that um it's all done with like sort of electro pop kind of current music that was really good and upbeat like I said it's really fast-paced I, there was no point where I was like, oh, I wish I was out doing something else. So I think that's a really good sign. And it really felt like like a, the type of show that would be at a Vegas resort. I don't know, like a typical kind of Vegasy show, although the kind of show that Vegas doesn't really have that much of anymore, <laughs> you know, with showgirls and magic tricks and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and maybe a little bit of, of comedy, although not, not that much of, you know, jokes or there's no like comedian there. But it was good, and I would definitely recommend it. And it actually got me sort of thinking about what other shows in AC I've sort of dismissed as just sort of residency shows where they feel like they've got a captive audience and they just shuffle people in or offer comp tickets to people just because they happen to be in the casino or they're losing too much money and they want to give them something to do. And one of the things I came across was uh, Nick Willenda's Zirkus, Z-I-R-K-U-S, I think, that is at... Uh, the Taj Mahal through September 2nd. So similarly priced at the Taj Mahal, it's like 40 bucks for reserve tickets, $30 general admission, $15 for kids. I watched a little bit of a video 
promo for that, and it also looked kind of cool. But the the Kevin and Crusoe show for thirty bucks, I would absolutely pay thirty bucks for that. The one thing my wife said about it was that they were very accessible after the show. Like all eight showgirls were there to get you could get your t- pictures taken with them, and also the two magicians were like right by the doorways shaking hands. And it almost made them feel, like, too accessible, like they were waiting for someone to come up and ask for an autograph and shake a hand. I, I just want to tell you, I, th- I think it's pretty normal for, for this type of show to just have the whole cast basically available after it. I don't think that's particularly strange. So, I don't know, I think that's that's something that, that you'll get in a lot of places. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Like, even I went to see Blue Man Group in New York, like, the main show of Blue Man Group in New York, and same thing. Like, they're all just hanging out yeah. on the way out. Yep. Um, so uh, the only other thing that really popped into my mind is I know you said you weren't really blown away by your cheesesteak at Tony Luke's, yeah. but how does it compare to Sack of Sub at Harris? Well, so I don't. Sack of Sub is not there anymore. Right, right, right. But I don't know if you know this about me, but I've, what was there? I've never had a regular cheesesteak <laughs> at the Sack of Subs. <laughs> I've only had a pepper steak. The pepper steak. Which sounds good in theory, but when they give you, like, the bottom of the jar soggy-ass peppers, and it's, like, the most peppers you've ever seen in your life. Like, I couldn't even eat it. I had, like, two bites, and I was like, this is too gross. This is like this is like eating garbage. Um, so we've joked about that ever yeah, since. That's, this is, like, two years like ago. like a joke that we had, yeah, at least two years ago. It was probably more than that. Yeah, the pepper steak. But, uh, yeah, it was a lot of like the, you know, usually when you order a cheesesteak and it's got peppers, you know, a lot of times you expect like, you know, I need the peppers get cooked in with the meat or whatever. But this was just like, like, you know, from the giant jumbo five pound jar of, of like, you know, what were they like sweet peppers or something yeah. just like all over the cheesesteak. Yeah, and just like thrown on there after the fact. Like, no. Yeah, it was like 50% peppers and 50% everything else. Yeah. No. So we, there, there's an ongoing joke between, Kyle and I, where one of us will randomly either text or like I am the other person saying like, "Oh man, I'm re- I could really go for a pepper steak right now with extra peppers." So yes, extra peppers. So, unfortunately, unfortunately, they they got rid of that at Harris about I don't know year year and a half ago. Yeah, so that's that's probably one of those jokes where you know you had to be there, but it was it's good. still I feel good about sharing that with the world. Yeah, second subs is generally pretty pretty solid too. So I don't know what was up with that. Yeah, that was terrible. It it did not look appetizing either. No. So, so after the show, we went to the Continental, which our plan was to go to Budokan, but I think we sort of assumed Budokan was similar to the Continental in terms of the menu items, where it was more like small plates and you just order a bunch of stuff. But it's not. It's like entree, big entrees kind of stuff. And we weren't really in the mood for that. We wanted to try a bunch of different stuff, so we went to the Continental instead. Um, the food at the Continental was very good, so I was, like, not disappointed. I would say we ordered, like, this broccoli with soy sauce kind of thing that was literally just steamed broccoli with a cup of soy sauce, so don't don't order that. (laughs) But otherwise, you know, mashed potatoes, very good. Pad thai was excellent. Um, I forget what else we got. Uh, there was some fish tacos that were incredible. Uh, so the food was very good. The drinks, which... Uh, sounded very good, were really off. And so I think they were just, the bartender was just having an off night or like Sunday night. It's not, I don't know if it's not their typical bartender, but I got the Mexico City Mule, which came very highly recommended for my brother. And it was good on first 
sip, and then as it got further into it, it got like really, really cucumbery and kind of weird. And my wife got this, uh, it's called a Pineapple Express, which was like almost like a a margarita, but but very pineapple heavy. But it was with like smoked pineapple and smoked salt. And that was also really good on first sip. And then, but like two sips into it, you're like, this is just way too much smoke flavor. And it was really gross. Like you couldn't even finish it. The dudes at the table next to us were drinking blueberry mojitos that they were just crushing and said were amazing. So clearly we just ordered wrong. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to write off the Continental's drinks because I know I've had a good experience. Other people have had good experience. I, I think it's just either we picked bad or it was a bad night for, for the bartender. But that was kind of disappointing. And then after that, I think we gambled a little bit at the Trop, like walked back to the Trop, played a little bit of video poker, lost, uh, no, won, won a whopping $5 and then called it a night. <laughs> so that'll tell you how much gambling we did. I think we played maybe 20 minutes of video poker and 20 minutes of some like Peter Pan slot that was very weird. Um, but the Peter Pan slot, which is like over by the poker room, your money will last a very, very long time. Like we had 40 bucks in the machine played for 20 minutes and like cashed out for 25 or something. Like it was definitely a very slow burn. So I don't know if I'd wander over there to play again, but whatever. So that was Sunday. Monday we woke up, checked out. We were going to go to breakfast at Casa, the like taco and tequila bar in Tropicana, but then we kind of decided. Yeah, re- recommended by yes, Steve. Yes, recommended right? by Steve. That's right. And then we kind of balked at the last minute just because we wanted more of a traditional breakfast like, and wanted to try something different outside of the shop. So we walked over to the Chelsea, which is right next door, and went to Toplitsky's. Um, so Toplitsky's, if you haven't been, there's an inside that's like a very typical coffee shop. I mean, it looks like it's ripped right out of the 60s, um, but, you know, clean. And then outside, there is an area that's by the pool that sort of still looks ripped right out of the 60s. My wife said she felt like she was vacationing in Mad Men. Um, But, like, the sort of outside by the pool area, you know, there are flies and it feels a little dirtier. So that was less cool. Um it's just the standard breakfast fare. Like the food's not anything to write home about. It's fine, but it's not great. Uh, I probably would not go out of my way to go there again. And honestly, I probably would have preferred Casa at the Trop. I mean, we saw the previous day we got there just as they were finishing breakfast and they had like some of the breakfast stuff out for you to see. And it looked incredible. So that'll teach me to ever doubt Steve again (laughs) for his recommendations. Cause in the future, I think we'd, both prefer to try Casa and definitely not go back to Toplitsky's. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, Toplitsky's is fine, but it's just, I don't know. I'm glad I tried it just because it was an interesting atmosphere, but like food wise, just really didn't, I mean, it was diner food. It wasn't anything to write home about. Yep. Yeah. So then we went to the outlets. We did a bunch of shopping. I got some shirts for work, which I know you're all excited to hear about. Um, and then we, Went to the Golden Nugget for maybe half an hour before heading home, which oddly sort of feels like my new tradition. Because last trip, I also 
hit Golden Nugget like just as I was I like we spent the morning at Bargada and then I was like I'm gonna hop over to Golden Nugget and I went there for maybe an hour played some full pay video poker got some chocolate for my wife got a coffee for the road and headed out and this was kind of similar like we wandered around the casino uh watched some people play Wonka and some dude hit the Wonka bonus and didn't have to hit a spin for like 20 minutes while he got all these other bonuses during the Wonka bonus uh ate some quick lunch at the I forget bean and bread I think it's called which was a pretty solid sandwich although sandwich chips and a soda was $16 I mean I guess that's that's a, that's a that's lot a lot at, I mean I'd say it's casino prices but I think you can beat that at you you can beat at, that at uh bread and butter at at Borgata so <laughs> yeah yeah you can definitely yeah. beat that uh, but we did get our chocolate at the chocolate box and then that was it. Headed home. Uh, cool. I mean, I do. So I kind of like the so, golden nugget. I kind of like the tradition of sort of hitting golden nugget on the way out, just to wander around a little bit. I would like to see the pool deck at some point that Ed keeps recommending in the Facebook group. But yeah, we yeah we probably do need to check that out. So how would you rate your trip? A resounding success. Uh, it was a very good trip. You know, we gambled like I said, barely at any at all, any at all, less than an hour, I would say total. And I still had a great time. I mean, Tropicana I think is perfect for that. Uh, really, I think the best beach property for that resort atmosphere, um, you know, I'm not going to say it's as good as Borgata, but like we really wanted to do a beach day and, you know, going to Borgata doesn't really, you know, it's not by the beach. Borgata actually has a beach shuttle that will take you to, I think, Brigantine. (laughs) So it actually takes you out of Atlantic city. (laughs) Um, but we didn't really want to do that. So, uh, it was you know, Trop was great, I thought, except for the whole check-in process and the window thing. I would certainly stay in one of those renovated Havana Tower rooms again. I would just say, like, any floor <laughs> above 51. Um, but, yeah, the trip was great. I mean, I, we both, I think, had a really good time um, and really made us realize, like, there's so much to do other than the gambling. Like I said, the show was really good, so I'd certainly look for other shows. You know, we were originally talking about doing the Huey Lewis and the News show, which was that Sunday night, which was kind of part of the reason we picked that night i mean not that we're like big huey lewis and the news fans other than that i'm a huge back to the future fan uh but we like i have mentioned before just closed on our apartment and we were feeling very monetarily drained (laughs) so we decided not to shell out the 150 bucks or whatever total that it would have cost to go to that um but yeah i mean it really made me sort of realize like hey you know check out some of the other stuff like the random sort of shows that are going on that these resorts have um, you know, I kind of always assumed it would be like some shitty dinner theater in the Poconos kind of quality, and that was not true at all. So, good trip. Yeah, definitely a good trip. Awesome. So, one thing you mentioned in there that I'm going to use to segue is uh, we mentioned Steve. And so, last episode, we spent quite a, quite a bit of time, probably 10 minutes, talking about... Uh, our thoughts on how he can optimize his comps. And basically we were informed after the fact by, uh, you know, reader or listener, Eric, who we actually happened to meet in Atlantic city in our, our last trip together, uh, that everything we said was wrong. (laughs) Maybe not everything we said was wrong. So yeah, basically, uh, I think we, we came with the idea that any, any play that you have is only going to end up helping your, your ADT and, uh, ATT, your, your trip theoretical. And your ATT, yes, your average trip theoretical. Um, but Eric says that we're wrong, 
and so does uh, Michael Traeger. And both of these guys are people who would know way, way, way more about the subject than us. So I think the basics of what they recommend, and you can correct me again, Eric, if uh, I'm wrong again, is that you should, if you should try to keep only your highest play at the property rated. And if you're going to be significantly dropping your average bet to, you know, play a different game or to play with friends who don't bet as high as you or whatever, you probably should play unrated. And it's the easiest thing to do. Um, I think me and Craig have talked about it some. I think we want to have one of those two guys on in some future episode, maybe a couple episodes down the line, because like I said, they're far more, uh, they have far more expertise than we do on comps. I mean, I've been diamond, but uh, you know, I've never dealt with a host, which is what Steve was talking about, which is what people like Eric and, and Michael always deal with. So I, I think we're going to have uh, maybe more information about that in a future episode, but uh, apparently you shouldn't listen to what we said in episode 19. <laughs> yeah. And it was really just a incredibly informative conversation um, uh, it, was, it was super, super great conversation about comps in the Facebook group, if you are interested in that. Yeah, and that's, it's you know, we sort of said, not to sort of do a total cop-out, but we've sort of said, you know, we play, we casino hop and we play for fun and we don't really do much for the comps. But, you know, there's certainly, if you're gambling at a level significantly higher than what we gamble at, um, maybe not necessarily significantly higher than what you gamble at, but if if you gamble at a level where the comps are significant, it is definitely worth it to know what hurts or helps your comps. Um, so they the insight was great. Definitely, you know, go to the Facebook group and check out that whole thread, um, and and sort of you know see what they had to say and and take their advice. Certainly above our advice that we provided last episode. <laughs> right. I mean, my my personal feelings are uh, I'm going to stick by what I said with which is at Steve's level. I think that he, that he probably can get comped regardless of of what he does if he just wants a room and board comp. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely worth checking out if you're interested. And and for me personally, I mean, I'm not uh, someone who cares that deeply about comps because honestly, I, I don't play at a level. Uh, commensurate with me getting like huge comps or getting weekend rooms in the summer or whatever. So it, it, it doesn't matter what I do unless I really try to minimax the system. And for me that, that makes it start to feel a bit more like a job and a bit less like entertainment. So it's not something I'm necessarily personally interested in, but, but uh, I know that many of our listeners are very interested in maximizing their comps. And if you play at a slightly higher level than I do, I think it does make a lot more sense for you to at least know a bit more about it. Well, I will say, you know, it's not something like I do not play at a high level. <laughs> but one thing that I've done that is a, I, I've re- even realized is a horrible mistake and I still can't stop myself from doing it is there have been a couple of times I used to get pretty good comps at Tropicana, like not weekend nights, but certainly Monday through Thursday, Sunday through Thursday, free rooms. And I had a couple of trips where I went and stayed at a Caesars property, but took the bus back to New York out of Tropicana just because the timing worked or whatever. And so I would go to Tropicana and I would have half an hour to kill and I'd play video poker down by the buffet and Hooters and put my card in and you know you're not even earning a credit at that point you're earning like next to nothing but your play is getting rated and so i did that twice and basically as far as trop is concerned they're like you are popping in you're gambling nothing you are like your value to us is 
clearly next to nothing, and it just crushed my comps, and I haven't gotten comped well at Tropicana since then. So that is definitely something to keep in mind. Like, if you're just popping into a casino, keep your card in your pocket. I, for some reason, I had this idea that, like, oh, I'll let them know I'm alive, and they'll start sending me, like, you know, it's like <laughs> Bed Bath & Beyond. They're going to send me that 20% off coupon again. Like, that is not how it works. Like, do not go put your card in if you're going to play a penny slot for five minutes. So that's something to keep in mind. We can talk about that in way more detail later on. Yep. Um, like I said, I think a future episode we'll try to try to tackle the comp question a bit more uh, thoroughly. Yeah. When we have uh, people who are more of experts on it than than we are. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I know it's kind of up in the air if we're going to talk about Paul or not. Yeah, I think we got a few minutes. I think let's. Yeah. Uh, you wanna you wanna blow through it? You're tired of just keep keep pushing it down the road? Yeah, I mean it's almost like a running joke at this point that we push. That we just keep pushing Paul off. back and back and back. Um, All right. You know, let's, yeah. let's do it. Let's, you know. Have at it. Okay, so Paul, if you don't know, is my brother. <laughs> so he had never been to Atlantic City, and from listening to the podcast, he decided Atlantic City sounded pretty cool. He's been to Vegas several times and is a big Vegas fan, more for the sort of opulence and the, the fancy restaurants and the experience and the nice rooms than for gambling. Like, he's not a huge gambler. So... I was very worried that he was going to go and say, like, this is garbage. Why Why do you like this so much? This is not Vegas. What did you send me to? So I was trying to be very clear the entire time that, like, do not expect Vegas. This is what you should expect. Um, and I think I did a pretty good job. Like, we directed him to Borgata. He was in not the lowest level room at Borgata, um, but the next up, which I think, is that the Fiore suite? Or is that one below that? I believe Fury Suite is the next level up. Okay, so he stayed at Borgata, said the room was amazing. Bed was comfortable. He thought all the common areas looked way cooler in person than they do in pictures, which I agree completely. Uh, he said it's certainly not the win level of opulence, but still very nice, and it had that fan- fancy luxury, luxurious hotel resort vibe that I like about Vegas. Uh, yeah, Fury Suite's the second level. Okay, so that's club, I'm pretty, club club room is the third. Okay, I'm pretty sure he was in the Fury Suite. Um, they went to the Continental for both food one night and then drinks the next night and loved it both times. So again, I think we just had a bad drink experience. Uh, they did knife and fork for dinner one night. They said, which I've never done. You've never done knife and fork either, right? I have not never done knife and fork. No. Um, so, which by the way, I just want to interject really quickly. Uh, We've talked about it before. Docs is back open. Apparently, everyone thinks that it is pretty great that has gone to it since the reopening, and it's something me and Craig, Craig highly recommend. So yeah, just want to throw that out. Same there. owners, right? Knife and Fork and Docs. Yeah. So uh, yes, I believe that is true. So for Knife and Fork, he said it was good service and good food. It didn't like totally blow them away. Uh, he feels like for that price, they've had sort of more uh, spectacular meals. They did go to the real White House subs, not the one in the Taj, uh, which we have not done the real White House subs either. He said, fun to try, but not someplace they feel the need to go out of their way for. They did really like the sunroom at the water club, just to sort of hang out and get a drink. And one of the big things that he said is, this is coming from someone who was a Vegas person first and foremost, had never been to Atlantic City, was that he came up with some things or realized that some things about AC were preferable to Las Vegas. Uh, so this kind of sparked a little bit of a Facebook 
um, conversation that we'll get into. But Paul said the weather was gorgeous. Uh, it was so nice to be able to walk around outside and not have it be constant oppressive heat where I need to hydrate myself constantly. Uh, he also said AC has some green areas like the path from Borgata to Golden Nugget or Borgata to Harrah's along the Ebsecan Inlet. He says there are lots of non-smoking areas, so it's easy to find two machines next to each other uh, that he and his wife liked that weren't just totally enveloped in smoke. And that's something that I had never really thought about, and I I didn't realize Atlantic City has a rule that 75% of every casino has to be non-smoking, of every casino floor. So, you know, that works much better in places like Borgata and Harrah's and Tropicana, where the ceilings are very tall, in like Golden Nugget and Bally's, where the ceilings are lower. Like, the whole place just feels like a smoking place because you get 25% smoking and it, you know, the smoke just permeates everything. But that's definitely true, and I, and I have noticed, like, Vegas casinos are significantly smokier than... Certainly Borgata in Atlantic City. Like, I've never had a problem at Borgata with the smokiness except for one bank of full-pay video poker machines is in a smoking area. But one thing he also said is that Atlantic City, at least the Borgata version of Atlantic City, is a type of vacation that Vegas isn't. It's like the combination of a laid-back, relaxing beach vacation with the coolness of a really luxurious hotel casino resort. Uh, So I think the relaxation aspect is something... That's very true. And um, one of our followers on Twitter, Jim and Derek, who have a YouTube uh, channel and do a bunch of funny videos, you should go check out their videos about uh, some gambling tips, Stan's grambling tips, if you will, uh, which is, I won't spoil it for you, but go watch their tips and learn how to win at video poker. Mentioned that AC, they also find AC like much more manageable or like it's, you know, the highs of, of Vegas are so much higher than than anywhere else but like vegas just kind of beats the crap out of you um i'm paraphrasing very much <laughs> so that is not exactly what they said but um so in that conversation i was saying like yeah you know i can do ac four or five times a year i cannot do vegas five times a year i would just be completely worn out and then part of that is also my brother said you know not having to worry about flights significantly reduces the stress of the trip um and that's something that on our facebook group uh mike c agreed with wholeheartedly said it's an eight hour drive for him to Atlantic city. So it is not even necessarily faster for him (laughs) to get to Atlantic city than Vegas. But he said, it's an easier trip than flying across the country. You've got connections, airport parking, hotels for leaving, checking out of hotels for early flights and all that stuff. Um, Whereas, you know, you go to Atlantic city, you still have your car, you leave on your own time, you get there on your own time. I mean, for me, I only live two hours outside of Atlantic city. So you know, I can hop in my car, get to Atlantic City faster than I can get ready, get to the airport, and even, like, be on the plane. Like, by the, the sort of time of, like, leaving my house to get to Atlantic City is just about the time it would take to, like, leave my house, get through security, and, like, be waiting at the gate in Newark or something like that. So that's a pretty big benefit. Um, it's obviously not saying a whole lot for Atlantic City itself. It's just sort of saying location and convenience. Uh, Mike also said resorts are comparable. There's a little less entertainment in Atlantic city. He likes the beaches and the boardwalk. Obviously the comps are better, which I think is sort of universally held to be true. I can't really compare because I spent so much more time in Atlantic city than Vegas. Um, and then also just having a car without having to deal with a rental, um, is a big benefit. And that's something my brother said as well. So, 
that sparked a whole conversation about sort of other things about Atlantic City that are better. And I think the big thing that I took away from, and I think we talked about this in the second or third episode, where we sort of struggled to come up with things about Atlantic City that were actually preferable to Vegas, is like the relaxation aspect of it. Like Vegas is so in your face and over the top, and it's great. I love it. You know, I love that aspect of it. But Atlantic City has like just the right amount of that, but also lets you sort of hang out and wander around and not feel like there are 100 people or, you know, 100,000 people in your face slapping cards at you trying to get girls to your room or trying to get you to go to a strip club or trying to ask if you want a party or, you know, whatever else. It's just like much more manageable. It's relaxing. It has sort of the up sort of up-tempo aspect of the craziness of the casino, but you can get away from it where in, in Vegas it's much harder. So that's definitely something that I will say is a big benefit uh, of Atlantic City over Vegas. And I'm sure now a bunch of people call me an idiot and say Vegas is the greatest. And, you know, Vegas is the greatest. Like, let's not act like it's not. But there are things about Atlantic City that um, I definitely prefer to Vegas. This, okay. this is where you jump in and say, like, <laughs> no, you're an idiot. Uh, I'm not going to say you're an idiot, man. We do an Atlantic City podcast. Um, I mean, I think that if I could be teleported either right now, I would prefer Vegas. Uh, but I think that Atlantic City definitely does have its charms. And, um, depending on the type of, of, or depending on what exactly you're looking for, what your priorities are, I mean, Atlantic City is often going to be the better choice. I mean, for me personally, like I would never go to Vegas even four times a year, which is what we probably are going to Atlantic City now, right? Yeah, I mean, we yeah we average around four, and you're right. Like, I couldn't do Vegas four times a year. No, that's, like, way too much. I mean, I'd like to do Vegas more than I do it, which is never right now. <laughs> but, uh, uh, I mean, for a long time, I was doing Vegas once a year, and that was that was pretty much perfect for me. But, you know, and, yeah, got married and had a kid and all that jazz, so. So you made, you, so we had said in maybe the second or third episode, like if you lived closer to Vegas, would you ever come to Atlantic city? I I would. I mean, would I do it? So like, let's say I lived in, it depends, right? Let's say I lived in, let's say St. Louis, assuming that's halfway between Vegas and Atlantic city, which I have no idea if it is or not, but it seems about right to me. Um, it's actually probably a little closer to Atlantic city. Let's say Kansas city. Um, I would go to, assuming I could meet up with the same people in each place and all the other variables are constant, I'd probably go to Vegas like, you know, three times a year in Atlantic City once or something like that. So if I lived in Arizona, which, you know, I I did for two years where Vegas is like a five-hour drive and Atlantic City is like a five-hour flight that is a million dollars because it's flying in Atlantic City Airport. Actually, maybe not because Spirit... Is cheap is Arizona and Atlantic City, so uh, that may not be the case. But if I was living in Arizona, I don't, I don't know if I would ever go to Atlantic City. Right, but it would, be, it would be like a special treat, like maybe once a year, once every other year, kind of like Vegas is now for me. So, you, but you mentioned the teleportation thing, right? So, if you could teleport to either, would you never go to Atlantic City? No, no, no. Of course not. I right. think I think I would go to Vegas more, but I would go to Atlantic City at least every year. I feel like I would just be a dead split. Like I, well, I feel like I would be in Atlantic City as often as I could get there if I could teleport and Vegas. But yeah, that is actually true. I'd be there <laughs> often than I am now. But I mean, for for me, 
I think part of the the reason I say that is that it tends to be when I go to Vegas, like I meet a lot more friends there than when I go to Atlantic City. I mean, oftentimes in like cities like me and you, or maybe like me, you and Taylor, or something like that. Whereas Vegas, it tends to be a bit of a larger group, and it's more people together, and and it's sort of a bit more rare and more like a treat to me. Yeah, it's just a bigger event to get out there, which right it is. That's the way it goes. But. Moral of the story: AC is awesome. You should you yeah. should go. You should enjoy it. You should go if you, if if you, you haven't been. If you haven't been, or if you haven't been in years, you should you should check it out. Uh, me and Greg both think it's great. Yeah, and so does Paul, and so does Mike C. So so does so does Paul and Amy and Mike C. and a lot of other people who listen to the podcast. So trust those people. Don't trust us. Trust yeah. Paul and Mike C. So I think you know. I think that's pretty much it, right? That's it. Yeah, it'll be just about an hour episode, I think, which is what we're looking for, right? Yeah, maybe a little longer. I talked a ton, um, so I apologize uh, for you having to hear. It was a lot of talk, especially in the uh, your trip report section, but it was your trip report, so I don't think there's any getting around that. Yeah, well, if you're tired of hearing my voice, you don't have to hear it again for a couple weeks. Uh, <laughs> so... So, so as a special treat to y'all, I can I can try to close this out so that you don't have to listen to Craig anymore, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, we want to thank everyone who's been posting in the Facebook group, which is uh, facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Uh, if you are not already a part of it, uh, you should definitely apply. Uh, we have had really fantastic conversation there. Uh, it's been a real treat just to interact with everyone there. Um, for me personally, I was a little bit tentative going in because I'm always worried about having to moderate things and hurting people's feelings when I'm like, Hey, you can't talk about that here, but, but it's, it's been really fantastic. And, and everyone involved, all the, all the posters, all the commenters have been, have been across the board. Great. So and thank you guys very much. And it's a really great, uh, community so hopefully we get more people involved and, and when you say apply it's not like you're applying for a job like literally we will approve you, you within two minutes you hit the apply button and then we approve yeah. you right literally within it's five like minutes. i think when we see when we see the uh pop-up it's like a race between me and craig to see who who accepts the person yeah you've been winning that race a lot lately i know I it's, it's, it's like 90 percent, 10 percent. well yeah I, I i put facebook back on my phone like a month oh. ago so for a long time i did not have it on okay. my phone which meant i would never win the race but that makes sense. It's then. back. No, no, I never win anymore. Yeah. Uh, you can also find us and all of our great uh, content, both podcast and not podcast related, at doforawin.com. Uh, mostly podcast these days, but hopefully we'll get back to doing a, a couple articles and stuff. Uh, you can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, as well as at doforawin.com. Uh, you can reach out to us at do for a win. Uh, most likely Craig will be the one that gets back to you, but I'm, I'm going to try to get a little bit more active on it. Uh, I've, I've made a couple comments in the last few weeks on Twitter, which is more than I have done in the past. So it's something I'm interested in doing a bit more of. And you can send questions to us at do for a win at gmail.com. So uh, when are we going to do another episode, Craig? Uh, are we going to do it uh, next Friday? Meaning not this Friday, but next Friday. Yeah, right. Whatever that is. is. Friday, August 12th. 12th, 13th? Yeah, I think that's... Get it up on the 14th, 15th? Yeah, that weekend. I, Just pretend that we're not horribly late for this episode? Yeah, pretend this is totally on time, and we're right yeah. on the two-week schedule. I think that's perfect. Yeah, yeah perfect. All right, so uh, we will uh, hopefully be talking to you guys again in uh, 
a couple weeks, and you know, this the next episode will probably be posted on the 14th or 15th. But uh, thanks very much for listening and and participating in the Facebook group, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Yeah, thanks for listening. So October 1st is a Saturday. Mm-hmm. That would work for me. It's I'm in Ocean City, New Jersey the week right before that. <laughs> so you can just stay there, right? Just to stay for the week. Well, if you're in the, there the week before, right? Does that, so you like you leave the 1st? No, no, I leave the 25th or whatever that is. Oh, uh, well, you can just stay for an extra week in Atlantic City then. <laughs>